Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Is it, is it really possible to live worry-free? I want to ask you again. I've been asking for three. This is the fourth week. Is it really possible to live worry-free? Well, you know, sometimes we kind of take this too lightly. We think, um, well, everybody worries. It's just, it's just natural. It's what people do. It's no big deal. We've learned that it is a big deal. And, and we've, we've also... We've also seen the damage that worry can do. Now, worry means anxiety, mental distress, over, usually over some imagined or anticipated event. The word worry is taken from the, uh, an old English word, worgen, which means to, to strangle or to seize by the throat. And that's kind of, in a sense, worry will, will choke you. It'll choke your life. Worry is unreasonable and accomplishes nothing. Exaggerates the problem. Worry is learned behavior. So if you can learn it, you can unlearn it. Worry poisons everything. It distracts you, displaces you, distresses you, and can destroy you. Worry does not come from God. And worry... This is, this is pretty strong, but we've, we've noticed this in the last three Sundays, and this is the final Sunday, four as I know. Worry says to God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Now that's kind of heavy. But bottom line, bottom line, that's where we are. One study shows that 86% of adults consider themselves warriors. Over $42 billion are spent in this nation every year to treat those with some type of stress or nervous disorder. Now, this ranges sometimes from mild worry, trouble, to all the way to fear and panic. And some people are plagued uh, by chronic anxiety and into such a serious state that, yes, there's places for professional help and counseling. But bottom line, the answer to all this is found through Jesus Christ. The answer is found in the Word of God. And the truth is, the more you worry, the more you worry. <laughs> what we're looking at is the fallen state of mankind. Man at mankind, man and woman, that sinned against God, who's not, who has has there been results and consequences from doing that? Our DNA has been damaged, if you will. We live in a cursed world. We live in a place that's predisposed to sin. And remember, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when we talk about worry. Because Adam and Eve have been given everything they needed and everything they would ever need. Truth is, life could never be better at that point in time. But the enemy, the serpent, Satan came to them and what did he say? Well, actually he asked a question. He said, did God really say, you know what he's really asking them? Can you really trust God? Can you really trust him? 
Of course, the wrong decision was made then. We see in the results of it even today. And the truth is that just as all of that came by rejection of God's best and by the sinfulness of man and by coming to a place of living in a fallen state, not in God's perfect place, in God's perfect will, in God's perfect provision. As a result of sin, then that's what we see with, with all of these things that destroy, that hurt, everything that's bad. Now, if that's the problem, then the answer is found not, not through just trying to think better thoughts and self-help programs. The answer is found through trusting in Jesus Christ and the redemption that comes through him, that through his blood we were taken from that kingdom of darkness and we were carried or transferred into the kingdom of light. We were taken from the place of sin, worry, fear, loss. And he puts us in a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And that's how you overcome worry is living out that kingdom life. That's how we do it, is learning how to live by kingdom principles. Now you and I, I have to believe that you and I can live worry-free because the Bible says don't worry about anything. <laughs> just, you know, just reiterate that from the last two or three weeks. The Bible says don't worry about anything. That to me is pretty close to a definition of being worry-free. Don't be anxious about anything or he says be anxious for nothing instead pray about everything tell God what you need thank him for it, for what he has done now from for the last few weeks we've been looking at so many aspects of of worry and what it is and what it does to you and how to overcome it and what today we close out with one of I think one of the the most important keys to coming to a place of walking out of, of worship, of defeating worship in your life. And that is of moving from worry to worship. And what I want to take just a moment, I will take a moment just for us to look at this this morning to see how uh, one of the best ways to defeat and overcome worry in your life is to be a worshiper, is to learn to move into worship. And that's what we're on today, and I think it's extremely important. Uh, Louis Giglio, which is a pastor and teacher and author from uh, Passion City Church in Atlanta, this is what he says. Worry and worship cannot exist in the same place. One always displaces the other. So what do we need to do? We need to choose worship. Now, we choose worry or worship, panic or prayer. We look at the problem or do we look to God? What we want to do is to shift our focus from what if to what is. In case that slid by. What we want to do is to shift the what if attitude. That's what worry is. Well, what if? To, hey, this is what is. God, according to your word, this is what is. I'm going to live over in the what is. How many of you want to live in what is? Uh, well, few of you do. I'm glad. <laughs> worship comes from an old English word. It's spelled in a weird sort of way, which most old English words are, but it literally means worthship. 
or talks about being of worth, of value. And when you're worshiping something, you're acknowledging that it's valuable to you, that it's worthy. And that's, that's what worship, the Greek word is, is proskuneo, which means to fall prostrate or to kiss the hands toward. It's talking about bowing. It's giving your best offering. The truth is everybody worships something, thing, stuff, other people, ourselves, because it's kind of, it's kind of ingrained in us from, from creation on. Worship will unlock doors in your life that, cannot, that, can, that simply cannot be opened in any other way. And by the way, worship is one thing that we can give to God that he cannot give himself. Well, a couple of things. Worry asks, where is God? It's doubting him. Is he really there? Does he really care? Is he able to do anything about this? The Israelites had problems with that. If you go back and read about the Israelites after they were uh, set free from bondage, from slavery, from, from Egypt, and they were moving toward the promised land. And in the process of this, they made some big mistakes. They complained. They doubted. All these things. And, and, and it cost them. It cost them in a big way. But one of the times they were out uh, traveling around, they, they found themselves without water. Water is very important. In fact, it's absolutely essential for life. They found themselves, what are we going to do for water, Lord? What, what, are, you, what are you going to do about this? What are we going to do? Where are you, Lord? We need water. And in the process of this, you know, they should have thought back. They probably heard the story of the miracle where Moses was in a basket in water and God performed a miracle. And perhaps some of them would say, oh yeah, God parted the Red Sea. A miracle. Water. Oh, I also remember that God turned contaminated water into pure drinking water. Miracle. Right now, God, we're without water. What are you going to do about it? Where are you? Why don't you care about this? That's what worry is, Lord. Why? Why? What are we going to do? And we read in Exodus 17 where, where, where water came out of the rock in a miraculous sort of way. People get caught up in looking around at what they don't have. But worry asks, where's God? Why didn't he care? Worship says God's here. Worship says God's here, his presence. He cares. He's able. Now, all I'm saying this morning is pretty simple. I understand that. But this is significant and it's important for us. And in some ways, it's profound for us to get a hold of this. To conquer worry, we've got to believe that God is who he says he is and that we can trust him and that he is present with us. Worship is simply coming to a place where you're experiencing and walking, enjoying his presence. We did a whole series on presence and on the manifested presence of God. God is present everywhere. He's omnipresent on the attributes of God. He's everywhere. God's in this place now by His Spirit. God's in you if you're a born-again believer. His Holy Spirit's in you. God's present. And we know that as believers. I mean, but do you feel it? 
Do you feel his presence? Not always. Did you feel his presence this morning when you were worshiping? Have you felt his presence? Oh, but pastor, we, we walk by faith and not by sight. We go by faith and not by feelings. That's absolutely true. But when we walk in faith, feelings will come. There will be feelings that come. And when we learn to worship, truly worship, and when you learn to pray and, and diligently pray, when you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, you will literally feel the manifested presence of God. Not just emotions, but you'll sense His presence. Something you can't really explain, but it's just, you know His presence. Worship is coming in the presence. And, I, and I, it, it must break God's heart of how many people over the years have gathered together in a place set apart to worship Him. In a place where people said they were coming to church and coming there to honor him. And they've gone through this time of, of, of singing songs and hearing the word. And year after year after year, time after time after time, they came to those meetings and never experienced the presence of God because they never truly worshiped. I have an idea it's happened more than what we might think. The presence of God is real. Where he says, where is God? Worship says, hey, God's here. He's present. And it's through his presence that I'm going to find that rest and peace that I need. Another thing that's important to look at is that worry always focuses on the problem, the need, on self. And by the way, dead people don't worry. Dead people don't worry. And more than once in the scripture it says, it talks about being dead. It talks about you and I as believers being dead. I am crucified with Christ. That's dead. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we walk that kind of life submission in the crucified life, first of all, it just... It just <laughs> It would help us in so many ways if we lived in that place of submission. We wouldn't get our feelings hurt so bad, so easily. If we walked in that place, we would, we would walk in a sense of security and peace. If we walked in that place, there certainly shouldn't be worry because we're dead. Dead people don't worry. Just something to consider here. But understand that worry focuses on what's wrong, our problem, on self. And look, that's kind of the nature of the beast in, in life today. It's so much easier to think about this is what somebody said, this is what somebody did, this is how I was treated, and blah, 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 blah. This is what I'm facing, this is what's going on in my life. So much so that we don't see what's going on in anybody else's life or take any time to really care. And sad to say that happens a lot. I don't know where it happens for you, but it happens a great deal. So worry focuses on the problem. Worship focuses on the solution, on God, on his word. It focuses on the problem solver. The scripture says that we're to set God as the highest in our thoughts. Psalm 43, verse 5. This is David. He was kind of in a little state of turmoil and dealing with some things in life. Anybody ever been there? 
And he was saying, well, King James says, why art thou downcast, O my soul? Or why are you cast down? New Living Translation says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Why, why am I disquieted within? That's the questions. After he asked those questions, here's what he says. Next two words. I will. I will. So he's kind of going along this path saying, you know, I'm troubled about this. I, I, this is bothering me. I've got questions about this. Kind of dealing with this worship, with worry trying to move in on him. With doubt moving in on him. And as that happening, he could have just gone on. He could have just dwelt on that, right? I mean, he could have just kept feeling sorry for himself. He had a tendency to do that from time to time. But he could have just felt sorry for himself and moan and groan and complain and blame the problems on everybody else. Sometimes people do that. But in the midst of that, here's what he said. Oh, why? Why, why, am, I so, why am I so troubled about this? He says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my Lord. It's like he's over in this area and he's, oh, yeah, this is what's going on. But I will, I choose, I'm going to praise God. Hey, all of us deal with this onslaught of things in our lives during the week where we have a tendency to be troubled or to be worried or something going on. All of us deal with that, okay? But as it begins to come on you and come on me, what we must learn to do is, wow, what did we do about that? What's our response? Do we let it get a hold of us or do we take hold and say, no, I'm not going to be bound by worry. I'm not going to get over in fear. I'm not going to get over in doubt. But I am going to focus on God and his word. I will put my hope in God. I'm not going to put my mind on the things that's going wrong. I'm going to put my hope in God and I'm going to praise him. Listen. The young woman, teenager Mary, who was pregnant, not yet married, we might say it today, promised to Joseph. And she gets this word that she is expecting a child. Now, it's kind of a supernatural. It's not like getting a sonogram. This was really, this, this was really a supernatural way of saying, hey, by the way, you've got a little one on the way. And his name is Jesus. He, is, he has been born to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we look back on that, and that is amazing. That is beyond comprehension. We can't get a hold of it. Well, if it's that way for us, it looks back and see and believe it happened. Think how it might have been for her because it had never happened before. She'd never read about it in the Scripture. How would a young teenage girl deal with that? Listen, she had all kinds of reasons to be worried Look what she was going to go through. It could cost her her life. What would it do to her family? What would it do with her relationships? What would it do with her future? What was going to happen? What were people going to say? She had plenty to worry about, but here's what she did. You read about it in Luke chapter 1. I'll just give just one sentence of it. It's called Mary's song. When she had all kinds of reasons to worry, she sang a song. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. 
And when worry tries to come on you, that's a good way to turn it into worship. We've got to learn to captivate our thoughts. We've got to learn by the help of the Holy Spirit to do this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Corey Tenboom, a Holocaust survivor, is now with the Lord, but she, many of you read her books years ago, but fascinating woman. But she said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you will be at rest. So where do you fix your mind? Where do you fix your thoughts? Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Hey, don't get over in this place where you're thinking about all the mess that's happening in your life. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. You fix your thoughts. It doesn't say God fix my thoughts. The scripture says you fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. If you keep dwelling on those things, then worry's not going to take hold of you. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And when we talk about turning worry into worship, it must be acceptable worship. The Bible talks about acceptable worship. If the Bible talks about acceptable worship, then that tells us that there's some worship which is unacceptable. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, the Bible says, Therefore, since we receive, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, his kingdom, kingdom of God, let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with, this is one of the signs of acceptable worship, with reverence and awe. Romans chapter 12, you're familiar with the verses, but in particular verse 1, the scripture said, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now listen to New Living Translation, and a lot of other translations line up with this. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. That's his total submission, folks. Give your bodies, give yourself to the Lord. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Get this. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is acceptable worship. Just a few things. Let me, let me point these out and just, just get them inside of you. I think some of them will be on the screen. Remember, acceptable worship is not just a religious act and it's not just for Sunday. Sometimes it'd be good maybe kind of ask yourself, well, when you gather in on Sunday morning and you're worshiping and singing and everything, ask yourself, well, how much did I do that between last, last Sunday and today? Well, anyway, worship is not just a religious act, not just for Sunday. Secondly, worship is not about a style of worship. We have a particular style of worship here. Now the worship team uses a variety of things because some things appeal to some people while other things appeal to other people. And that's fine. God made us different. We don't, we don't all have the favorite, the, the favorite style of music. It's not about the style because that has to do with personal preferences more than anything else. Not mainly about the style. It's about the heart. 
It's about the motive. Thirdly, worship follows praise. Worship comes after praise. Technically, praise and worship are not identical. They certainly move together. But understand that when we praise the Lord, it's primarily singing about Him, talking about Him. When we worship, it's singing to Him. It's worshiping Him. And it, in most situations, what we really find is, is when you move into worship, you move through the vehicle, through the avenue of praise. You begin to sing about God's greatness, His goodness, His power, and as you sing about that, then you're brought into a place of the sense and awareness of His presence, of His greatness, and you begin to just extol Him. You begin to worship Him. You begin to sing to Him. I'm also convinced that many churches, many congregations for uh, years and years and years have sang songs, have sung songs, sing songs. Anyway, they have, you know what I mean when you get to the English language. But they, they, have, they have come together to sing songs that, that about God. Most of your older songs, now some of the hymns are to God. There's some tremendous hymns that are worshiped. I love gospel music. Just, I love this kind of music. I love gospel music. But the majority of your gospel songs, southern gospel, is praise more than it is worship because it's singing about God. And actually, probably about 80% singing about heaven, which is not, it's okay. We're not there yet. So worship is God's present now. And I'm worshiping God where I am now and from who I am now. And we must move from praise into worship because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a totally different dimension. When you pass from praise into worship, you're in a different dimension. And that's where we want to be. And it's the importance of praise because praise will set you free. Praise will chart the course, but we want to move into worship. Then we need to remember that worship is not for us. Worship is for God. Next, you need to remember that worship changes us. We see worship is not for us, but it changes us. So in a way, it is for us. When you have an encounter and experience with God, you are transformed and changed. Through that can come healing, can come strength, can help, can guidance. And for acceptable worship, finally, it must be that we worship, learn to worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. It's what Jesus said as you're talking to the woman at the well there in John chapter 4. And she was, began talking about, well, you know, our people, we worship over here. And you worship there. And this is the way we worship. This is the way you worship. And Jesus drew her right back to the importance of what he was talking about. He drew her right back to what worship is all about. It's not about a place. It's not about a style. It's not about a particular group of people. It must be worshiping in spirit and truth. You must worship the right God in the right way. When we talk about worshiping the Spirit, that's talking about worshiping with an awareness of His presence. That's talking about passionate worship. That's talking about wholehearted worship. And when we talk about worshiping in truth, that's talking about being genuine in our worship, true to the Scripture. When you worship in Spirit without passion, when you work in, worship in the Spirit and passion without truth, it's just mere emotions. It's, it, it doesn't carry where you need to go. 
But when you worship in truth without passion, it can become dull and legalistic. There are some things that can prevent and taint true worship in our lives. Sin, disobedience, robbing God. Now that's it, robbing God. How, robbing God. How, you know, in the Old Testament, Malachi, it says, the question is asked, will, will you rob God? And they said, rob God? How did we rob God? His answer, in your tithes and offerings. Well, that, whoa. That's when it goes to meddling. And because it, it makes a connection between worship and relationship with God and giving financially or giving of what he's given from what you've given. That, that, a lot of people in the church and a lot of professing Christians, they don't like to hear stuff like that. You don't hear much about it from me up here. We have givers here in this congregation, thank God. But when you truly walk in that kind of relationship with him in an attitude of worship, you will be a generous giver. Because you cannot be a good worshiper and be stingy in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> now, I'm trying to look around at everybody because everybody, you're going to think I'm looking at you when I say that because, okay, let me scan over here and realize because you know, I'm, not, I'm not talking to any individual about this. But people don't make the connection between how you live your life and worship. Are you obedient in your giving and your tithes and offerings and worship? They don't make the connection. But there is a connection there. And it will, it will taint your worship if you withhold in any way from the Lord. Unacceptable worship is ignorant worship, not following according to his word. Uh, it, is, it is idolatrous worship when you're worshiping someone else, putting it before God, when it's insincere worship and not genuine. I sometimes shudder. And this is not about you or other people, I have to think about myself in this first. I sometimes shudder, even when we're gathering, when we're singing, worshiping here. I sometimes shudder if there was a, something, a little meter or some, some type of little indication, indicator that just began to show on top of our heads as to where it was genuine, as to whether it was wholehearted, as to whether it was passionate, whether it was real or not, if, it, if, if that began to show over each of us, I wonder, I just wonder what would happen. I just wonder what would, be, what would it look like. God knows whether my worship is genuine or not. You, you, no need in pretending with that. How sad it must be for a loving father and an almighty God and one who's given all to have people all around the world who may stand in a place or sit in a place or whatever and kind of in a half-hearted sort of way sing about him and supposedly worship him and yet walk out the door and live the way they want to. How heartbreaking that must be to the Father. And actually how indicting that is. How it in, it's an indictment on, on us as following him. I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip with this. Not, not at all because I'm saying this, this, is, this is important. Please, we must learn personally and corporately as a church do not just go through the motions. Don't withhold. 
It talks about wholehearted worship. In other words, don't hold back. Don't be concerned or worried about what anybody else is going to think or say. And don't let the enemy lie to you and say, well, you're not worthy. You've messed up too much. And people are going to think that you're just doing this as a show. I'm saying all this because one of the, the, the keys, one of the most important aspects of moving from this life of worry into a more worry-free type living is to learn how to be a worshiper and worship Him in spirit and truth and allow the worries to be dispelled as a result of that. We starve worry when we feast on worship. When you and I turn our worry into worship, God will turn our battles into blessings. So I began to move into worship by recounting the greatness of God, by recalling the promises of God, by remembering the faithfulness of God, and by resting in God himself. Move from worry to worship. True worship. And understand that worship is something that we're called to do, but it's also a learning process. We should grow deeper and deeper and deeper and more and more, I think, in a way of understanding different aspects of worship as we worship, as we grow in our faith. But all the Lord's really about is, is it genuine? Is it from the heart? Is it? For me, he says, he asks. I want to do something, if you will, and uh, I want the worship team to come up, if you will. And um, we're going to close out with worship today. Amen. And I want to ask you to stand as they come up. It's a little bit different. We at Covenant Life believe it's okay to be a little different, all right? I'm a little different, you're a little different, all God's children are a little different. It's all right to be different. It's all right for Sunday mornings to be different. I, I, you know, it's all about following God's will and His presence, but I think there's a freshness and a newness and a creativity about God to where when God's people together, it ought not be just the same old, same old. We get so used to going through a particular method or style or, or order in church that we're tied to it more than we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Oh, that was good. <laughs> yeah, happens. I want to. Do we have Psalm 95? Do we have verses 1 through 7? Do we have that up on the screen? Can we get that up on the screen? This is in the New Living Translation. Okay. All right. I think this is going to unfold as we read it together. And I, I want you to, uh, I want you to read it out loud with me. And we're going to worship in a minute. I'll point out a couple things before we go today. Are you ready? Okay. From Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, 
the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry ground. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God and we are the sheep of the pastor, the flock under his care. That's where I'm ending, but that last part is true. If you only would listen to him today. He says you need to listen. Maybe that was God. He, said, he says you need to listen to this. What he's really saying is today's the day. Today's the day. Were y'all reading with me as I read that? Was it up there? Okay. Can, can we scroll that along there? Because I want to hear you read it aloud with me, all right? We, are we not New Living Translation? Are we in? Okay. Let's read from the... Let's read from the... <laughs> I think I can see that. I, I can see in distance. It's close up. I struggle with a little bit. All right, listen. If I should falter a little bit, don't get quiet. Read it. You, does, can everybody see the words? We're reading from the Word of God, from Psalm 95, verse 1. Here we go. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Keep it going. For the Lord is a great God. A great king. king above all gods. He, he holds, holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest Yes. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. Good. His hands form dry land. Yes. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Amen. All right. I want us to go back one more time, and I want us to look at starting with verse 1, okay? With verse 1. Psalm 95, verse 1. Okay, let's look at it. It says, come. That's an invitation, right? Y'all come, okay? It's an invitation. It says, let us what? Sing. Sing to the Lord. You're not singing to be heard by anyone else. You're not singing about the Lord. Sing to the Lord. And let us what? Shout joyfully. Shout how? Joyfully. Because He's the rock of our salvation. He deserves it. And go on. So how are we supposed to come to Him? Be thankful. And we are supposed to sing what? Psalms of praise to Him. Let's just keep it going here. You know, when that changes up there, you can't hardly tell that it changes. And why should we do this for? The Lord's a great God, isn't he? And begins to tell about the greatness of God. Move on down to the next verses, please. He holds, you see the, the power of God there? Come on down. See belongs to him. All right, let's come to the next verse. All right, here we go. Imitation. 
Come let us what? And do what? And let us do what? Okay, let's end right there. So look at the different aspects of worship that are there. All right? And so we're supposed to come to the Lord, to sing to the Lord, to shout to the Lord, to bow before the Lord, to kneel before the Lord, to sing joyfully before the Lord. And by the way, and most of the lot sing loudly before the Lord. It is in a way what we could term extravagant worship. It's worship beyond what most people really ever move into, particularly in congregations, because we're all a little too dignified sometimes to get into that. But, but here's what we want to do. What are we singing here at the end? What are we doing? Anything that fits here? Okay. <laughs> little impromptu here, but uh, what, what are we doing here? Okay. All right, let's go ahead and let's worship him. I want you to think about these different aspects of worship as we sing this. I want you to think about the aspect of the fact that you're singing praise to him. You're singing joyfully from your heart. You're bowing before him. Some of you might be kneeling before him. And uh, this is, you're, you're shouting to him. All this is an aspect of worship. Now, there's a lot of other things. I mean, I could go into a long thing about the different ways of worship moving in worship, practicing worship. But here's just a basic this morning. So let's just don't sing a song. Don't just sing this song. Remember to worship Him in it. Can we do it?
bow before you, Lord. I will worship. Oh, Lord, we bow before you. You're worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. To receive glory and honor. None like you, Lord. There's none like you. None like you. Holy Spirit uh, seems to be impressing upon me that this is uh, the words that just simply lay it down, lay it down, lay it down. And, and, and I think from that what I'm hearing is, is there may be inhibitions or things that the enemy has been coming against you with or, or doubts or maybe there's areas where you've been withholding and not obedient to the Lord and you know that it's interfering with you walking in this way of worship. You know that's interfering with your life. And, and this is the purpose here is not to point fingers at anybody or accuse in any way. The, the purpose here is for all of us to hear the word and respond to him and say, yes, Lord. I, if the Lord ever tells you to lay something down, it's because it's something that's weighing you down. It's something that's hurting you. It's something that's best to lay down. Thank God for those who've been lifting their hands in worship and bowing and kneeling before him. But as they sing through this one more time before we go, I just sense that there's just a, a lot more of us here that just needs to come down and lay down. We just need to, to, to cast aside some loads, cast aside some hindrances and say, Lord, I want things to be different in my life. And I want, I want to more than ever, I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a worshiper. Don't be glued to your chair there by, by, by feeling what, that, that any type of fear or intimidation at all. That, that if you need to come to this area just to worship, you just go ahead and do that. I, I don't, I, it, you know, this is not about getting brownie points for so many people that come forward or anything. I don't care anything about that. This is about us responding honestly to what the Lord is saying to our hearts. And I just, I just so convinced in my heart that, that some people are just at the threshold of things, but there are just some things you won't turn loose, maybe because it's pride, maybe because it's fear that you, you don't, you're afraid you'll lose control. And God's saying there's a deep place of worship. There's a deep place of, of even praise. There's a deep place of enjoying the presence of God that he wants you to know. He wants you to walk in, but you've got to lay these things down. You've got you to just bring them to him, and he'll begin to release some things. I think today he'll begin to release some of these new things in your life. This is a call of the Holy Spirit to you. If he's speaking to you about this, then I'm going to invite you to come and let the Holy Spirit do a new work in your life this morning. Come on. Come on, let's do that. Thank you, Lord. Yes. before the Lord. Say, Lord, I just bow before you today. I don't want anything to interfere. I don't want anything to interfere with worshiping you. I want to surrender my life anew to you today. Thank you, Lord. I might mention that this begins with men in the household of God. It begins with men. Brothers, it begins with us. Young people, it begins in your life. Come 
Jesus, I 